Hey guys, welcome back to the Between Takes podcast. Today is a very special episode for Hart and I. We're going to be discussing our own stories and our own journeys. We come from two completely different places, but we ended up here together. Uh, we both have very different journeys, different struggles and different successes and different ways of growing up in life. And we're very excited to explore those with you. Yeah, in this episode, we, we get into some of those trials and tribulations that Cameron and I have both gone through from very different sides of the world, basically. And there's a lot to learn from uh, this episode as someone who is already in the industry or, you know, wants to be in it. So yeah, we hope you enjoy it. Like and subscribe on the Himalaya app or wherever you get your podcast. Uh, thank you. Thank you. Welcome to the Between Takes podcast. I'm Cameron Fuller. I'm Hart Denton. And this is our episode two. Yeah, it's, it's, it's like an episode one. Uh, we, on our first episode, we had Madeline Pesch, and she had the idea that we should do an episode where we kind of talk about our backgrounds and our history and how we got to where we are, um, since that's the whole basis of this podcast. And so we thought it'd be good to have an unofficial episode one and actual episode two where Cameron and I just get into, you know, our background and how we got here and where we grew up and our friendship and our relationships and uh, what we would do different and say to our younger selves. So uh, I'm excited to, to do this with you. Yeah. Yeah. You have an amazing story. You know, I think the whole point of this podcast was I come from a completely different walk of life than you come from, but we ended up in this this circle together and we ended up becoming extremely good friends. And it's just, it shows, it doesn't matter what your journey is. If you just, you know, keep fighting for what you want and you work really hard, you end up in the place that you want to be. Yeah. And you surround yourself with people who support and believe in you. That's a, that's something that uh, Cameron and I both have found to be a, a huge, uh, I don't know, part of getting to where you want to be is having organic, real, genuine, supportive friends. And they can be tough to find in a place like this, like Los Angeles. They're, they're tough to find anywhere, but especially out here when it's so cutthroat. And um, I'm very, I've been very fortunate to have someone like Cameron. Uh, don't make me tear up. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, truly. No, I, think but, it's, uh, I think it's something that people overlook, you know, uh, how important that aspect is of, of succeeding in whatever sense. Yeah. Well, you know, I think it, it obviously goes both ways. Like I've been here for a long time, so I've sort of understand there's the appeal of LA and Hollywood. And then there's like the bullshit aspect that comes with it. And I feel like if you're here long enough, you can see through it, but you can also get caught up in it and that yep. can be a very bad thing. Yep. So, but I think your story is, <laughs> I don't even know the words for your story because it, it's so incredible. Like, and, and I would, you know, we've been friends for what, five or six years now. Um, yeah. But I think the best part about your story is you never told anyone what you were going through. You never made it a thing. Like you didn't ask for anything from anybody like you're the exact same person you are now with success that you were back then right so and just knowing you through that friendship i like i had no idea really what you were going through like i knew what you would tell me when we'd have our deep talks but there's so much more and it just shows like just how hard of a worker you are and how 
motivated you are and driven. And I think like those sort of qualities actually ended up bringing us together. And that's sort of why we're here today on this podcast. Yeah, there was uh, over the course of our friendship, there were, uh, I think, times like little by little where you would pick up on things that were happening that you never knew about. And it wasn't because we weren't close. There was no one that knew about them. My own parents didn't know about things that, you know, were, were going on or that I was going through. And I remember being over at your house one time and your dad asking me a bunch of questions and him being so like, what? Like, that's insane. And even there were moments then too, and this was many years into our friendship that you were still also like, what? Like, uh, you know, right along with it, which, um, yeah, there's, there's a lot there that is, um, that was kept to myself just out of, it was, you know, it was a, it's just how I am. It's how I've handled most things in my life is I just, I internalize a lot of it and, and I, I stack it against myself and I want to, uh, win. I want to beat my own self. I want to make it out of a situation um, without having to ask for any sort of help. I had seen a lot of people um, do go about life that way and they would get help sometimes, but there was just something to that that felt so uh, off to me and I had never, I didn't like it. Um, yeah. I think one of the things I've always loved about you is you have always been heart. Yeah. There has never been multiple versions of heart. Like you're not one of those people that'll go out and be this person and then you'll see other people and you'll be this version of that person to like make those people happy. You've always just been you. And like, that's so rare, man. (laughs) It's so rare just to be yourself, you know? Yeah. But I see that with you as well. That's that's, because I see you in multiple different circles and, and different groups of friends and I see the same thing with you. So it's, and I think that's why we resonate with each other so much. Yeah. Yeah. But it, you know, it hasn't always been that way. There's a trial and error pro- process with this entire thing. Right. Right. Like yeah. I feel like as you get older and, and you're in LA and in our business, like your circle starts to become smaller and smaller as yeah, you get you, more knowledge. Yeah. And you, you're, you're able to, your, um, uh, bullshit detector gets, gets <laughs> yeah. better. Yeah. Um, and I, I think, cause you see a lot of it and you, 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 you start seeing patterns of people that, aren't best for you and and it's able you're you're it's easier to weed those people out totally um, which is good but let's start with you how did you what you you grew up in los angeles yeah so um i guess i'll start with my life story i uh i was born in vegas which people are always like what you were born in vegas that's so weird were you born in a casino and i was like no born in a hospital um <laughs> born in vegas uh my dad at the time he was hosting a show out in Vegas. So that's what he was doing to make ends meet at the time. Um, he grew up in LA. He had me when he was young, when he was 27, uh, move, you know, we were in Vegas at that time. And, uh, you know, I didn't realize how tough things were at that point in our lives for my family. Like, um, he didn't want to be in Vegas, right? It's, it, it wasn't the kind of life he wanted to be living, but, He's a great dad. He never showed that. So he had always wanted to be a movie producer and uh, he was hosting the show. Wasn't what he wanted to do. And eventually his friends convinced him to move back to LA when I was three and a half. So that brought me back to LA. And um, yeah, once we, we got here, you know, I was immediately like, I was brought into this business when I was three and a half years old. Wait, let me backtrack. Let me backtrack for one second. So my dad's good friend, uh, a producer, his name's Kevin Messick. He's also my godfather. 
he uh he put me in a movie when i was one years old so i was on a movie set when i was one i was the baby in this movie called the babysitter with alicia silverstone which i'm sure you know, i you know who she is right yeah she was my first kiss which was awesome <laughs> <laughs> that's hilarious yeah i have a picture of that which is great but you know i've been on sets from a very very young age um so we came back and my dad started managing people and talent so I would be on sets with him a lot and then that didn't work out for him and then he started producing right so you know four or five six years old I'm going to school and then I'm going to set to meet my dad and you know I'm sitting in his office all day and I'm just I'm picking up on all these things and I'm like wow this is crazy I'm in this business from such a young age so I was I was definitely uh exposed to it very young so yeah so you know my dad, like you, he had that sort of complex of like, I do not want to lose. I'm just going to work hard. I'm going to be good to people. And that's how you become successful. In this business, I think that's how you become successful. You just put your head down, you work hard, you're nice to people. You know, karma always wins at the end of the day, right? So he, uh, he went to school with Michael Bay <laughs> at Wesleyan, and they knew each other when they were kids. And Michael was a very successful director. Uh, young director at the time, um, Armageddon, you know, like just huge hits. And my dad and him got into contact again. And he asked my dad if they wanted to partner on a production company. My dad was like, oh my God, (laughs) like this is, could be the biggest opportunity in my life. And I can't blow this because, you know, this is my chance. And uh, they started a production company. And I guess long story short, they were partners for 17 years. And they've had tremendous success. Um, they split off last year, but it was truly one of those moments you have in your career where it's like, wow, like I can really take this and this is my chance. This is my right. chance. And at the time, he was, uh, I think, 31. So he'd been working really, really hard, you know? Um, yeah. But yeah, so that was sort of my exposure into the industry. And then once that started happening and his career started blossoming a lot more, I'm, you know, I was at movie premieres every year and I'm on sets with people that like you see today and you're like, oh my God, these are some of the biggest superstars in the world. And it's crazy because I grew up as a kid, like not seeing those people that way. I, you know, I grew up with Ryan Reynolds, right? And like, he was just like a big brother to me. And, and it, it's, it's, it's just a weird sort of experience that I had where, you know, I was so inside on this world that I didn't even see it from like an outside perspective. I saw it as these people in my life. That's insane to, to grow up in hearing probably, I mean, just the language of things. Cause that's something that when I moved here, as I got on sets, I, there was so much lingo that I was, uh, was so foreign to me. Um, so, so many, just even phrasings of, of, you know, in, in the movie industry that I did not know at all whatsoever. So it must've been, I mean, it's like you got to learn this language that a lot of people don't get to have the luxury of hearing and learning from such a young age. So that's, that's amazing that you were able to uh, have that. I think that's yeah. Awesome. You know, I, I, I think you don't realize the ultimate experience in this business is just being on set and having experience. Yeah. Like once you get to that place and you're able to understand how a set is run and what everyone's job is and you know how it runs just like it's a well-oiled machine. So if you can understand the parts, it's like you can understand what's going on in the business, you you'll succeed, right? Because sure. you get it. Yeah. Um but yeah, you know, it, 
it's just it's it's crazy i was just on these sets when i was a kid and my dad you know he worked with a lot of stars who were not stars back then at all right or they were that's not to say they weren't stars but they weren't at the peak of their career they were very um young at that point they were our age or younger heart i mean you see them now and, and they're superstars and it's 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 crazy to watch people grow you know yeah and you probably also saw a lot of the uh the the bad sides of the industry which is also i mean having a being so close i know you're so close with your dad so i'm sure that there was a lot of uh knowledge and lessons being taught in what not to do in this industry which is so cool to, it's, it's also such a great thing to have gotten to have growing up yeah and Again, it's all about experience, right? So I'm yeah. so fortunate that I was able to listen to those calls that he would make every day after school and that I would get to see the mistakes that he would make when he was younger. And whether I knew it or not, they are somewhere in my brain. And I, when, if, you know, if an experience like that happens to me, I do have something to pull from, which is great. You know, it's been sort of an interesting road. Like I had a very traditional childhood, like I went to school. Um, I never wanted to be an actor. I wanted to be an NBA player my whole life, as you know. Cameron's a, gay, a great basketball player. Thanks, buddy. You're not too bad yourself. <laughs> we'll tell that story later if you're. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I had this super traditional childhood. He, he, he you know, I was. It was so weird. He found such a great dynamic, my dad did, of like giving me this normal childhood and also exposing me to this business. Yeah. Um, so yeah, but I again, I didn't want to be an actor forever. I hated it in high school. I hated acting. Like it was something that I just did not want to do. I don't know why. I just didn't want to do it. And uh, when college hit, I sort of got the bug and then things started from there. But let's talk about you because I mean... It's crazy. Honestly, I don't even want to say anything. I just want you to speak. And okay. I think everyone should just listen um, because your story is, it's so motivational and it, you just go. I, I, I'm just going to sit back here and just listen because. <laughs> All right. Um, well, I was born in Little Rock, Arkansas. I, I did, I was, my parents lived in Conway, Arkansas, about 30 minutes away. Um, and there was no 30 minutes in Arkansas is 30 miles. Like that's just how anywhere like 30 minutes in LA is down the road, but yeah. the, there was no hospital uh, to, well, there was a hospital, but there was, they weren't able to birth babies in Conway in the town that my family lived in. So they drove 30 miles to have me in little rock. I uh, was born and then they, I, I was, I was in little rock for a couple of days and then, my family drove me very slowly back to Conway and I grew up there. I, at a very young age, my, my mother and, and my father were both very obsessed with, they loved music and they loved acting and they loved theater. And I was my, uh, my brother's older brother uh, lived in Los Angeles in the eighties and was an actor and, I, I just sort of grew up around a bunch of people who loved this industry from so far away, from the middle of nowhere. And there was no sheltering for me. My parents took me to all these insane concerts like the Red Hot Chili Peppers, uh, Kiss, Kid Rock, uh, Ted Nugent, like just name it, Janet Jackson, like 
There's not a lot of people that come through Little Rock, Arkansas. Uh, but if they came through, we were there. My parents would take me and they would take me to Memphis a lot because they loved Memphis and they loved that whole blues um, history and, and uh, culture and environment. So I was in Memphis a lot and my, my parents loved Elvis. So like my, uh, there's a picture of me as a baby, my very first Halloween and I'm a baby Elvis. Like they just loved Elvis. So I grew up watching a lot of Elvis, a lot of his, uh, concerts and a lot of his movies. I've seen Jailhouse Rock probably a million times. I just was so uh, infatuated with the with just the the industry from afar. And so my I have a I have a large family in Arkansas. I have like thirty cousins and a lot of aunts and a lot of uncles. And we would, there's such a family culture in Arkansas that we would all get together and we would put on talent shows. Uh, from a from when I was very little and everybody would do their talent and so I was always singing and dancing and my mom and dad both took and put me into a lot of local theater productions and got me just comfortable on stage I was also in dance classes I was doing tap and jazz and ballet and uh, hip-hop everything from a very young age and I was the only guy in these classes it was me and about 50 girls and I he got made fun of a lot in Arkansas in, in grade school and in high school for doing that, for um, being in those classes and being at recitals and being the only guy. And it, it, it actually, it got me very comfortable on stage, but it also it was such a big thing for my footwork in sports, um, whether it was football or soccer or basketball or tennis, whatever, doing all those classes at a very young age especially all the dance, got me very comfortable in my own body. So it was the best thing that my family could have ever done for me. And I'm very, very thankful that they, they encouraged me doing that. And they also gave so much support where they were like, don't listen to these people. Don't listen to all these people that are making fun of you. They, they, they don't get it and they're very small-minded. And they, my, my parents instilled a very thick skin in me. And they also instilled a, a, element in me that just wanted to do what I wanted to do and not what I didn't listen to what other people thought or what they wanted. So as I got older, I continued to do theater in my, in my local, you know, uh, community theaters and, and the colleges. I, I live in a town where there are several small colleges and I would do their, uh, musicals and their plays and, uh, Shakespeare. Like I got, I got, I got a lot of training in the middle of nowhere and I was able to, it was a relatively small town. So I was able to take big swings and figure things out. And all the people around me really encouraged that. I was always the youngest one because there, it was mostly college students. So they really encouraged me getting out of my shell, which was great for me and got me very comfortable. So then I went to, when I graduated high school, I went to a music school in Nashville, Tennessee called Belmont University. My grandmother had gone there in the 40s, 50s when it was an all girls school. And that's how I found out about it. So I took a trip to Nashville with my family and absolutely loved it. Uh, I had been in a, you know, like a local, like sort of garage type band in Arkansas from, you know, the age of 12 till the time I graduated. So music was a big part of what I wanted to do. So I went to Belmont 
It was very expensive. And I knew after a year, like I wasn't going to be able to keep going here. Like it was, it was, it was a lot of money and I didn't have a lot of money. I didn't have any money. So I took a trip to Nashville. I'm, I became very good friends with someone there and a bunch of us took a trip, sorry, took a trip to Los Angeles. And I went there on like a spring break of my f- freshman year of college and decided I wasn't going to go back to college. I was going to stay in Los Angeles. And I just was obsessed. I was obsessed with number one when I landed the, the weather. It was probably the perfect day of weather in, in Los Angeles's history. I was, and there's also this like glimmer to when you get to this place that is so, uh, so different from where you grew up and so vast and so big. And so there's so much energy and it's fast. And I, and I loved it. And from day one, I mean, I was here for about a week and I made that decision. I went back to Nashville, finished up my freshman year, went home to Arkansas, took about six months um, where I was working in a flower shop. I was delivering flowers, uh, saving up money to move to Los Angeles. And um, I knew one person in LA. It was somebody that I had grown up, was a dear childhood friend of mine. And they had won a, or they had been a part of, uh, they were on America's Next Top Model. And so that's how they ended up in Los Angeles. They were sort of discovered out of nowhere in Arkansas. And so that was my one connection. And I told her I was coming into town and she was like, you can uh, come. I just moved into this apartment. Uh, You can come. I I don't have any uh, furniture, but you can, I have, I have uh, a cardboard box that the mattress that I just got came in and you can sleep on that if you want. And I was like, great, love it. I'll take it. So I slept on this cardboard box for the first two weeks that I was in Los Angeles. And every single night she had hardwood floors. So the the cardboard box would slide out from under me. So I always woke up just like face smashed on like hardwood floor. So it was, uh, it was interesting, but it was, it was all I had. Eventually she got a couch and I slept on her couch for about a year and was paying her, uh, I believe it was, a, it was 300 or, or it was $500 a month. And I was sleeping on her couch and I was all my stuff that I had. I mean, I basically came out here with just the backpack uh, and a little small carry on of clothes. And I quickly realized I needed to get some new clothes because the, uh, the clothing in Arkansas is very different from the clothing in Los Angeles. And I liked the clothing in Los Angeles and I, um, (laughs) wanted to fit in a little bit more in this, uh, in this world. So I went to thrift shops and the ones I could find, uh, most of them were Goodwills because they were on the cheaper end of thrift shops. I've in, in Arkansas, you can go to a thrift shop and get clothes for 50 cents in LA. uh, Finding a cheap thrift shop is really tough. And in Arkansas, the, the Goodwills are the most expensive thrifts. But in Los Angeles, they're the cheapest thrifts. And, you know, a shirt that's a dollar in Arkansas at a Goodwill is uh, $7 in L.A. So I remember calling my dad and being like, oh, my gosh, the, even the Goodwill is, like, expensive out here. Like, I, I, I don't even – but it's the, even, it's the cheapest. Like, going into the other ones, they were, like, $50 for a shirt because it's vintage and it's just a different thing. It's not like a true thrift like in Arkansas. So I got really nervous about that, but I got a few pieces of clothes 
I looked uh, a little bit more like I was um, ready to go and audition and or at least take meetings. So I figured out the bus routes. Um, actually, no, let me back up. I didn't figure out the bus routes. Routes. All I had was my phone and I had, uh, I looked up a bunch of modeling agencies and I knew that if I could go and like sign with one of them, then it would solidify me staying out here. And then I could maybe start going in for some commercials or in for some like ad work or whatever. Cause I had done some modeling in Arkansas for Dillard's cause that's where their corporate office is. So I had these pair of boots that I still have. Um, uh, there, I, you can't, I can't wear them anymore because I've literally walked through them. Like there are, are giant holes in these from my toes because I would walk four or five or six miles to these different agencies. Um, and I was so just infatuated with being out here that I would just walk around in amusement of everything around me. So I, I enjoyed it. I didn't, I didn't, I had no problem with it, but I didn't know anything about Uber. I didn't know anything about because we didn't have that in Arkansas. I didn't know anything about ordering a car, but I started to notice some of the buses and I couldn't, I, I, I couldn't afford the buses. So I continued to walk for quite a while. Then I figured out I could, if I went to the machines and I put in that I was, um, <laughs> I would, I found out a way to rig the, the bus routes where I could get like a card pass for like 50 cents. And then it could, it would, it would, I could go anywhere I wanted for the whole day. So instead of having to pay $2 and 50 cents, I only had to pay 50 cents, which at the time was about all I had. So I got these cards that allowed me to take the buses um, around and that helped. It was a lot better than walking, but then I was entering into a whole new beast of, you know, um, every once in a while, someone crazy getting on the bus and like screaming at someone or, um, urinating on someone. Like there was all sorts of, that was a whole new world. Um, and I would, there's no bus really that takes you exactly where you want to go. It's very rare that I would only have to take one bus. I would usually have to connect two or three buses and it could end up taking me hours because if I would take this one up La Brea to Hollywood and Highland, then the one on Highland might not come for another 45 minutes. So then I have to sit there. Even if I missed it by just a, you know, a, a minute, I would have to sit there for 45 minutes and then take that one. So it was taking a long time, but eventually I signed with a modeling agency and they also had an acting like agency attached to it. So I started working with the acting one and started going in on auditions. And, uh, eventually, yeah, I, I auditioned for a long time. I was very green. I was very new. I didn't know how to audition. Um, in Arkansas, there's not really any auditioning. There was, I mean, there was a, a little, but it was very minimal. And because if it was, they just would take really whoever wanted to be in it. Like if you wanted to do it, you, you're sort of in it. And I only auditioned for like one or two things. So I didn't know how to audition. And I got out here and yeah, I would take the bus to auditions. And yeah, because I remember when you and I first met, I didn't really know you were an actor at that point. I didn't even know you were going on auditions. Like you were very invested in what you're doing whenever I saw you. So whether it was making music, it was like you were making music. And until you're done making that song or that beat or whatever you were focusing on at the time, there's no reaching heart. It's like heart needs to finish what he's doing because he's determined to do that. And then, then you can get the great heart that you are, but like you have to achieve what you want to achieve. 
I remember, I guess I'll go into like, we first met at, at a music festival through some mutual friends. And from the get go, I was like, this guy's so you were talking about your fashion. I was like, this guy's so fu- fucking cool. Like <laughs> the way that you looked and you know, your hair and you're rocking the bandana <laughs> and the whole thing. And I'm like, I like this guy. This guy's <laughs> really nice guy. Not a lot of guys that look like that and dress like that are super nice guys. <laughs> you and I, like our friendship grew. And during our friendship, you know, at the beginning, I know you were working many different side jobs that yeah. I didn't really even know about at the time like i knew little bits and pieces there but you know we'd always have moments of like things are tough and i I remember being like every moment i'm like you are so talented like this is gonna work just keep doing what you're gonna do and you know i'm here for you and all your friends are here for you and we're gonna get through it and uh you know obviously i know you worked postmates and i'll let you go into that um yeah that's where that's where i want to pick up from is i so I, I get a manager and I start auditioning. I'm going out and I'm doing auditions, but auditioning is tough. I mean, and, and out here, you're going up against a lot of people. Um, it, you're going up against thousands of people. And so, and, and you don't get paid to audition. So you're doing all this work, but you're for free, essentially. You know, you're doing it in from a hopeful place of I want to book this and I would love to book this, but you're not making any money while you do that. So yeah, I started, I took on multiple jobs. I started working uh, for Postmates. I was delivering food. Um, I would mostly do that at night. And that saved me a lot of times because I had no money at all. And I mean, all the money that I had would go to rent or um, I started dating somebody who had a car. And so they would drive me to auditions. And that was a huge, that was a huge help for me. That was incredible. Um, and then eventually I got a car. So all my money was going to my car payment and rent and food. But there were some times where I didn't have like enough money for food. Truly. I only had a few dollars and I was right on the, I mean, I was, I was just keeping up with being able to stay, um, in my apartment and have, and have a car. And I had made the a large a, a big mistake where I booked a big modeling job. I went and shopped for Adidas in New Orleans, and I think I made like five or six thousand dollars on that job, which at the time was more money than I had ever seen in my life. And I made the mistake of thinking, "Oh, well, it's, I'll book one of these a week. I'll book one of these like every two weeks." Like, because it was ve- I booked that very soon after signing with a modeling agency and I was it tricked me into thinking that would be the normal thing. So good I went and bought a It's a good lesson to learn. Oh, he a, a really good one and the 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 best part of it is I went and bought a car that was uh, it was a car I a car I certainly couldn't afford and that like I said I was just keeping up with being able to make my rent and the car payment. I was also working at Brandy Melville during in the mornings and they were very flexible with my time. Um, my girlfriend at the time also worked there. So that was a fun job and I enjoyed that, but I I was doing that and I would go to thrift shops and I would buy things for really cheap, uh, that I knew I could sell for more on eBay. So I would go home and I would list them for, you know, 20, 30 bucks more or whatever it was. And so I had those three jobs circulating on top of going to LA auditions and going to um, castings for either commercials or print work, whatever it was during the day. But 
I, I, yeah, I bought that car off of that job that I had and it got to a place where uh, my girlfriend and I at the time went to this party where they were handing out McDonald's uh, coupons and for like a free burger or a free shake or a free um, breakfast sandwich, whatever it was, uh, you could only use one of them per McDonald's. So her and I would get in the car. We, we got a, the, the person who was throwing the party gave a stack of them to us when we left. And so we were going around the McDonald's using them like one. Okay, I'll get this at this one. Okay, you get this at that one. Okay, you get that with that one. And we would drive the three. And by the time we would have enough for us to like split a hamburger or split a shake or split a, whatever it was. And um, I, that, that um, the car payment and the rent got above the money I was pulling in and they took my car away. And it was really sad to see that car be taken away. And this was before I booked really any acting thing at all. Um, I saw the, the car go away. And the most devastating part of it was uh, that stack of McDonald's coupons were in the car, were like in the cup holder. And after they drove off, I realized it. And I tried to call, I tried to call, try to call and try to get a hold of someone. And I never saw them again. And I was so devastated to tell my girlfriend, like I left the cards in the car that was just repossessed, was taken away from me. And it was, it, it floored me to see how upset, like, and concerned and worried it made her and I both. Like it was such a, really a devastating thing. And you at this time didn't know any of this stuff. Um, and uh, we were, I was still hanging around with you and doing everything normal and acting like everything was a okay. And, um, I remember really hoping that I never had to say why my Jeep wasn't here anymore or, um, yeah. And so, uh, I couldn't also, my girlfriend and I couldn't live at the place that we were living at anymore. So we started sleeping in her little Prius that she had, and we would just like lean the seats back and like sleep basically sitting up with all of our possessions in the back of the Prius, which was also a very difficult and trying time. Um, we, after that started sleeping on a couch at, um, this place called Winston house, which is like a compound of sorts for different artists coming through towns. And our friend Corey opened up his uh, home to us to sleep on the couch there. So we slept on the couch there for a while. And that was, it was right on Venice. And that was, that was a very uh, life-changing time because I, I knew that this couldn't go on further. Like I was, I was at a make or break point. It had, I'd been out here for about two years, uh, or maybe coming on three and nothing had, it really hadn't hit yet. And so I, st I really buckled down and started working harder on auditioning than I had ever before. I would get an audition and I would read the script you know, two times, or I would, uh, read the lines over and over and over and over. And I just got to a place where I was obsessing with it. And then I got the Riverdale audition. Hold on. Can we, can we stop for one second? Yeah. Yeah. Because I, I, I'm trying to think about at what point this was in our friendship, but I remember I was doing this campaign for penguin yeah, clothing company. Yeah, and I was working with them a lot, and they they wanted to do a holiday campaign with me, and they were like, "Get a group of your friends together, and and let's do it." And I remember because I asked Hart to do it, and he said yes. And obviously, you know, you got paid. I don't think it was a ton of money 
I mean, it was it was fine. It wasn't anything crazy. It, it was great for me. Like at yeah. the time, it was yeah. But I didn't like at that point. I had no idea what what you were really dealing with. So I was like, oh, you know, it's nice of hard to do this for this low amount of money, right? Because like in terms of the modeling world, it wasn't for any of us. It wasn't a, a ton of money. You know, it was just a good opportunity for exposure, right? Um, and I remember you posted an Instagram photo of our campaign being like you were eating the food at, yeah, the yeah, at yeah. on the table it was yeah. a th- it was was it was a holiday campaign it was a, i think it was a thing it was for thanksgiving, thanksgiving wasn't it so we had it was, like a full thanksgiving platter out yeah. and i was starving at that time i was very skinny and thin and my head was shaved and i was very hungry and ate a lot of the food and they kept being like hold on like we don't eat all of it yet like we have to have this for the shot <laughs> so <laughs> and, good but yeah. but you know i just remember that and we look back on that and it's sort of a testament to it to how you've grown and you've actually grown physically i mean you're what yeah. 20 pounds of muscle 20, more now 25 so. yeah 25 more yeah. than i was then yeah so uh but yeah so you know going back to you booked Riverdale, like I remember right before when that was happening, like you were saying, you got really obsessive with your auditions and you got so locked in. And I remember like you would just go off the grid again, like worse than before, like to a point where it was like, I'd probably call you like 20 times in one week and I'd be like, is he okay? (laughs) I'd, I'd, I'd be texting your girl, your girlfriend at the time to get in contact with you to make sure you were good. Like we had no idea where you were. Um, but in that time you were working your ass off. Right. So, yeah. And, and I just, I got to a place where I was like, look, I can't, I, I, I love hanging out with my friends and being with my friends, but I just can't right now. Like I don't, I, I don't, I can't do this. I've got to trade it off. I've got to buckle down and work on this stuff so that then I can hang out with my friends, not from a stressful place of like, Oh my gosh, I have $4 in my account. If we go somewhere to eat, I'm just not going to have to eat. And it's just going to, it just would stress me. It would, I would be concerned. I would be worried. Um, but living at that house and in, in, it was right off of Venice, like Boulevard. It was or right off of Abbott Kinney. It was such a great environment. We would walk over to the coffee shop. Uh, we were, we'd spend a lot of times at, um, at Tom's over there and we would just sit down and we would read and we would write. And it was just, it was, it became an obsession and I was ready to, I was ready to get out of that place, to get out of that hole. And, uh, right around that time, like I said, in the Mads, uh, podcast that we did, I, I couldn't afford to pay my phone bill and went to the Riverdale audition, uh, did the audition, got a callback for it, went to the callback or producer session. And I didn't, uh, I, (laughs) I had read the lines so much from my phone that I knew them like the back of my hand, but I always like to take paper sides in and I went to, I didn't have a printer. So I went to like the FedEx print and ship office and you could usually print out your sides for about a dollar 50 somewhere in there and a dollar, a dollar 50. But I remember this day particular, the sides came out to a dollar and 13 cents and my card declined. I couldn't, I couldn't pay for it to, to print. I didn't even have a dollar and 13 cents. And I was, uh, I was shocked. Uh, my girlfriend at that time was going, had surgery that morning. It was a very hectic morning. And so I was like, whatever, I'll just go to the audition and I'll just not have any sides. I'm not going to look at my phone. So I just went in and I just sat in the waiting room and there were several other guys who looked similar to me sitting in there reading their 
lines and over and over and saying them out loud. And I just had this like calm, collected uh, mentality of like, look, I don't, I I can't, I don't have any sides. Like there's nothing I can reread. I mean, I could read my phone, but I just was like, I'm just going to sit here and I'm just going to take this in for what it is. And I went in and did the audition and two days later or three days later. Hold on, hold on. Let's pause for a minute because (laughs) I think I saw you two days after that. We were hanging out. Yeah, we were playing. Man, we were uh, playing spike ball. Yeah, in in my friend's backyard, yep. and you like you had your burner phone on you, and you yep. kept checking it. You kept checking it, and I was like, "Dude, what's going on? Like, just tell me what's going on." And you're like, "Um, you know, I auditioned for the show. Like, I really want to get it." And I was like, "Oh, tell me what show." And you were just like, "I can't tell you." Can't. Yeah. I was like, "Hard, come on, dude. You're one of my best friends. Just tell me what it is." like if i tell you i won't get it and i don't want to jinx it so yeah i'm very i i, I think about things like that a lot like i'm very I, I don't think i'm superstitious i mean i know that lines up with that that way of thinking but there are things sometimes when i'm like i just don't i don't want to talk about it i don't want to yeah. say anything about it i don't yeah. even want it to be i mean it's like how i didn't tell you i was going through all those things it was it was just like that so i was like i can't i can't say yeah. anything yeah so but i remember like I remember you just, I think you were with me when you got a call and I, I think your manager, Brandon called you and he was like, you're in the final two. For- he was said, you're, you're, you're there. They have option. You're in like the final two or three. Um, don't go anywhere. Cause he knew I was supposed to go to Arkansas to see That's my family. And I, my mom had already bought in my ticket and it, it was something that had been planned for a long time. And I really wanted to see my family. So I was like, I'm all right. I, I told him, I was like, okay, I won't go anywhere. And then I left the next day. Yeah, that's what it was. Went to Arkansas. And then you flew and back I, 24 hours later. <laughs> yep. I went to my brother's football game. And uh, the next day, or the, that, that day, they told me, uh, he called me and said that I got it. And uh, that, that I fly out of LAX on like Friday or something or Saturday. And I was like, oh my gosh like it was the happiest moment of my life because i knew that i had i had broken through to this thing that i had wanted to do for so long and that i knew that i wasn't gonna have to eat like crumbs anymore or not eat at all um that's also something i want to touch on when i when i did postmates there were nights that if you don't if the person doesn't come to the door after you know 10 minutes of you being there postmates lets you keep the food and you get to go on and you get to go do you get to go uh do more jobs. Um, and there were many times when the people I would be calling them, calling them, calling them, standing outside their apartment building. And for whatever reason, if they fell asleep or their what something happened and they couldn't come, then I got to keep the food. And there were sometimes like it opened up. I'd never had sushi. Really. I had never had really good, uh, um, just food, like the food, like Brazilian food. I remember that happened a lot because I lived near bossa Nova. So I would get to eat this amazing food and it also opened my horizons to different types of food. So not only did it keep me, you know, it didn't, it kept me alive. It also it made me uh, just discover more. And I loved it for that. And it was great to, to have that. But, but yeah, I flew, I, I flew back to LA quickly, flew to Vancouver. And thank God, some of my first scenes were uh, dinner scenes that a lot of my first the, the, if you go back and watch a lot of my stuff is, uh, at a dinner table. And when you're shooting a dinner scene, you have to shoot it for about five hours. You shoot, a, you shoot a lot of takes of it. There's a lot of turnarounds and you shoot a lot of different angles and you get to eat in the scene. And then they 
take that plate and then they they re you know they do it the way that it was in the other shot they they um set it up again and they have this thing called a spit bucket where they bring a bucket over and while you're you know you're chewing in this scene you spit it out like so that you're not eating a ton of food that you're not having to consume thousands and thousands of calories but i was like it was a breakfast scene and breakfast is my favorite i was like get that spit bucket out of my face I'm about to eat all of this because I was so hungry and I was so, I was amazed that there was a crafty table where I could eat as much as I wanted. And then in this dinner scene, I could have as much as I wanted and it was pancakes and bacon and eggs and biscuits. And I was just like, this is heaven. Like this is the best job in the world. Like I was so happy. And I, yeah, I quickly uh, put on some, some weight that I, was much needed because I was starving. I was like 135 pounds and I'm six feet tall. So that was, I was, I was skinny. Just shows, man. Yeah. You know, yeah. it just shows that, <laughs> that hard work pays off. Yeah. Honestly. And sticking to it and, and keeping things in your mental and really, uh, working really hard. Yeah. Yeah. You know, yeah. it's crazy. It's just, it's, it's crazy. And it's, it's just so inspirational for anybody listening that, you know, it doesn't matter how low you are in your luck. You just work hard and you push through good things will happen. Yeah. Um, and surrounding yourself with people like, like yourself and, you know, you've always been there for me. I've always been there for you and we've always been a hundred percent honest with one another always. And, and genuine. And, um, and I think that's really important. And having someone that you can really confide in. I've told you things that, you know, either no one knows or not many people know. And that's, and vice versa. And that's a, that's a very important thing to have. Um, and people that just support you, you know, me not ever telling you things that I was going through had nothing to do with, it, it doesn't speak on the nature of our relationship. That speaks on just how I am as a human. Um, I've always felt like I could always tell you anything and everything. And, um, you've always been very supportive, which has been awesome. It's been You're really helpful to have. And I know that, I know that too. You know, it's, there are just some men that want to just push through at all costs and do it the way that they want to do it and, you know, keep their head down. They don't want other people to take on their problems. They want to deal with their own problems head on. And that's yeah. what you did. And I respect the hell out of you for it. So. Same. Would um, you, uh, would you do, would you do anything different? Would I do anything different? Um, that's a good question. Maybe I would have started acting a little earlier in my life. I, I had a very unique experience. And when I went to high school, they let us take an internship our second semester senior year. So I don't know how I got past HR, by the way. Um, but I ended up getting an internship at WME at William Morris, which for people listening is a very big talent agency. And I was 16, right? So I had no idea what was going on. Everyone in there was much older than I was. At that point, like, I got to see this, see our world from like a young adult and it just sort of made me understand it and realize, you know, I didn't want to be on the agency side of things. I wanted to be on the talent side of things and that gave me good exposure, but I do wish that I maybe started acting a little bit earlier. But other than that, no, you know, um, mm. everyone, like you said, goes through something. I had, you know, my first big role later than you did in life and that was this year. It's been uh, an up and down road. And I think for you too, and for me, it's, there's always ups and downs. Um, 
you know, I, this year I was on my way out. I wanted to quit our business. Like a lot of people like you and a lot of my close friends, they're successful in our field. Um, and I always want to be as supportive as I possibly can to my friends and, and, and give them all that I can. But it's hard sometimes when you're working hard and you're not seeing the, the, uh, result that you want to see. I remember it was October and I, I had been working on the show, the last ship. I worked on it for four seasons, uh, not a super big role. And I couldn't book anything for my life. I booked one episode of the show called bull. Um, other than that, I could not book anything for probably a year and a half or two years. And I was so frustrated that I was like, I'm, I had this breaking point where I was like, I can't keep doing this anymore. Like, I, I, I just don't know if this is going to work for me. Uh, maybe acting's not my thing, right? And I remember I came home and I was so upset. I started crying. This was this year uh, or this was last year. I start crying. I call my dad and I'm like, I think I'm done. I got a job on um, this show called Showtime for HBO as a walkie talkie PA, which is like a very entry level job on set uh, where you basically are in control of all the walkie talkies on set and all the batteries on set. So you have to just make sure that you don't lose walkies, you don't lose batteries and you have like, you have a full belt on with batteries on people are like, we need a walkie battery here, here, here. So you're just the messenger for that. Um, And so I, I go to that job and I start working that job and I was like, this is what, what am I supposed to do in my life? Right? Like I was just at such a crossroads of, am I meant to be here? Am I meant to act? And, you know, I remember the second day I came home, broke down again. You know, I I was like, this is so much to take in. I don't want to let the production down. Don't know what I want to do with my life. And I get an audition in my email from my manager. And I was like crying and emotional. And my roommate was like, let's just go do it. And I was like, okay, let's just go do it. So I go upstairs, it's like 11 at night. I have worked the next day at 6am and I'm like, all right, let's just try this. And I did it and I sent it in and they called me like two days later and they're like, you booked it. (laughs) And I was like, are you kidding me? And they're like, they're like, yeah, you booked it. Like you're the lead. Like you're the guy. (laughs) I was like, what? They're like, yeah. And it was just one of those moments where, you know, even at your lowest, like something great can happen to you yeah um and that changed my life just like and you also yeah and you also in that time i remember talking to you asking you what you're doing you're like i'm just like working on this set and i was like what do you like what do you mean like what doing what and you're like just i'm just like just like pa stuff like just doing some some stuff and and you you were sort of you didn't want to like really you were like you're very ambiguous about it and i was like all right whatever but then to hear your voice a few days later when you had booked this uh, role and you could go beyond that, you know, leave that, you were thrilled. And it was, it was, it was great to hear your voice yeah. in the, in the difference in though. Yeah. But that's, it's, you know, it's, that's the same thing as just sticking to your guns and working hard. And exactly. Giving, yeah. Not, which, not giving up. Which I think is the point of our podcast, you know, yep. um, and just experiencing you know, other people's stories, like both of ours and everyone comes from completely different circumstances. So it's just so unique hearing these stories and these journeys. And I'm lucky to know you and call you one of my closest friends, someone I consider family. And, you know, we come from completely different backgrounds, but you know, when, when you find your people, you find your people. And, you know, you know, it's a, there's a gut feeling to knowing when, you know, somebody's going to be there for you in, in all of it, through all of it. Yeah. So 
I think that's a good lesson is just surround yourself with good people and work hard. And that's not to say that Hart and I have made it in any way, but you know, we're, we're fortunate to have uh, just achieved some of our personal goals up to this point. And there's a, there's a lot higher goals that we want to achieve and achieve together and individually. So we're looking forward to pushing towards those two. Just stick to your guns, stick to work hard. You know, you never, you never know when something could change your life. Never know. You never know. Um, And if it's something that you love doing, then stick with it. Get get used to the nose. There's a lot of nose and there's a lot of trials and errors and, and it's not, it's hardly ever easy. I don't know if it's easy for anyone. Um, Whether you grew up in the industry or whether, whether you move here, it's going to be tough. Um, Always. And it doesn't, there's there at no point does it ever become easy no matter the level of your success there's new challenges at every level so whether you're just getting started or you're the biggest movie star in the world there's going to be it's going to be tough and you got to have grit you got to work really hard um and you can't let up absolutely um well thank you guys for listening to this episode i didn't know it would be this emotional (laughs) i'm not crying you're crying (laughs) (laughs) yeah we appreciate you guys listening thank you yeah um that's yeah, and I'm excited to to get into it with all the people to come. Uh, Cameron and I have done some episodes already with some of our friends that will be coming out soon, and there will be a lot more to come. And uh, you know, hopefully, by you guys hearing some of the things that overlap in all these episodes, you're able to sort of form your own blueprint for how you want to uh, get to where you want to be. But yeah, and. Be sure to subscribe to us on the Himalaya app or wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, We'll have episodes coming out weekly. And we love you guys. And thank you so much. Thank you guys so much. Bye.